Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Well, sit down, relax, enjoy your tea at home. If you have some tea, uh, please enjoy. Uh, Randy, you can pet your lizards or whatever you do. Uh, I hope. Uh, and uh, good to see you guys. We're continuing today with um, Master Dogen's diary of his uh, time in uh, China, which is a real grab bag of all kinds of things. And I'm sorry, I didn't do the printout for you today, so you just have to listen. Um, some of the advice is appropriate for um, a Chinese monastery of the 13th century, and some of it is uh, good for us today. We don't have to accept all that uh, Master Dogen said, and we don't even have to uh, understand all of what Master Dogen was talking about here. And some of the advice, it's amazing. He has the most profound advice next to what seems to be the most mundane, but you'll see that it's all actually the universe at work. So one of the points is that the most mundane and the most glorious words are all the, the same universe turning. So I'm going to be on uh, page eight here. And uh, this is uh, Dogen writing very in very good fashion about how great Dogen is, according to his teacher. Uh, Ah, I'll say it about uh, my, th my three monks who are here. Okay, so consider these words about you. Although you are still young, there is already a look of deep accomplishment in your face. I'm talking to you guys, those three right there. It will be good for you to live in a deep mountain or quiet valley so that you can slowly gestate in the womb of the Buddha ancestors or just stay where you are with your family. Um, my, my joke is, um, and it's not really a joke, what's going on, you know, for me this week is my monastery. There's a lot of similarity. You have to give up a lot of things. You have to face a lot of things. And uh, the things you thought were important, you know, you have to leave at the monastery door. And uh, you come out enlightened one way or the other. People who got uh, Buddhist enlightenment, uh, there's a little nuance here. Guaranteed, we all get enlightened in the end, one way or the other. So, so uh, you can slowly gestate in the womb of the Buddha ancestors. Then you will certainly arrive at the place of enlightenment of the ancient sages. Then I stood up and made a prostration at his feet, and he chanted a verse. Both the bower and the bow to are empty and serene by nature, and the way flows freely between them. How wondrous. And I bow to all of you here with the same words in my heart. Then he spoke to me extensively about the practices of Buddha ancestors in Indian China. I was so moved that I cried until the lapel of my robe became soaked with tears. Going on to the next one. 
So next time I entered the abbot's room in the great light storehouse hall, Rujing said, when you practice with the assembly, you should tie all your belts for your robes and undergarments quite firmly. It's a really mixed bag here. Okay. Keep, keep your pants on is what he's saying. Whenever you wear your belts like this, you will be able to make strong effort without too much exertion. Okay. So keep your belts tightly fastened, everyone. Rujing's words to you. Next, Rujing said, one of the most essential practices for the training in the monk's hall is the practice of slow walking. Now, this is like kinhin, which we do here, but there's a little word. Nobody knows if Dogen actually did kinhin like we do it. This was a fellow named Menzon, who was a reformer, I believe in the, um, I'm always getting this confused, 17th century who kind of had to go back and figure out what Dogen's practice was because it was very unclear. So at that time, they created what we do as Kin Hin. But it's based on things like this that he wrote that seems to be Kin Hin, okay, as we walk. So Rujing said, one of the most essential practices for the training in the monk's hall is the practice of slow walking. There are many elders here and there nowadays who do not know about this practice. In fact, only a few people know how to do it. To do the slow walking practice, you coordinate your steps with the breathing. That's what we do, check. You walk without looking at the feet, without bending over or looking up, okay? You go so slowly, it looks like you're not moving at all. Do not sway when you walk. Then he walked back and forth several times in the great light storehouse hall to show me how to do it and said to me, nowadays, I am the only one who knows this slow walking practice, okay? If you ask elders in different monasteries about it, I'm sure you will find they don't know it. All right? So there's Rujing's words to you. Kinhin. Seems like Kinhin to me. Okay? Um, next. I asked, the nature of all things is either good, bad, or neutral. Which of these is the Buddha Dharma? Rujing said, the Buddha Dharma goes beyond these three. It's another thought that has empowered me this week many times, truly. I ask, the wide road of the Buddhas and ancestors cannot be confined to a small space. How can we limit it to something as small as the Zen school? And here we see Dogen do this again. And with all due respect to Dogen, who we all love, and I love him, uh, he says, oh, you know, there's really no Zen. All Buddhism is the same. But really, my teacher <laughs> is the only person in 2,000 years to have figured this out, okay? Guys, you have permission to say the same thing about me, okay? Remember, it's all the same, but Jundo was the first guy to figure this whole thing out, okay? No, let's listen to what he said. He's just being respectful. Lineage in China and Japan, you know, respect for your teacher, tremendous importance. To honor your teacher was of tremendous importance. That's all he's trying to do here, Okay? So he says, um, Rujing said, to call the wide road of the Buddhas and ancestors, quote, the Zen school is thoughtless talk. Quote, the Zen school is a false name used by, and uh, this is Tanahashi's translation, bald-headed idiots. And all sages from ancient times are aware of this. Haven't you read the record of monasteries by Shaman, I guess, who says this? I said, I haven't. So Rujing went on, 
It would be good for you to study that book. What the book says is true. Briefly, the great Dharma of the world honored one was transmitted from Mahakashapa alone. And it was passed on heir to heir for 28 generations, and then for five generations in China to Huineng, the great sixth ancestor. Today, I, Ruzhing, hold the center of Buddha Dharma. In a billion worlds, there can be no one comparable. I think he means all good teachers everywhere and all good students are the billion worlds. You see? It is true that those who lectures who lecture on sutras and treatises and carry on the various schools' teachings are also family members of the Buddha ancestors. Among them, some are more important than others, depending on how close they are in the family. So he says we're all the same, there's no Buddhist school, but he does have his preferences, as we all do, for some types of practice. And maybe, as I always say, some types of practice suit different people better. I have my way, on my crazy way, that you happen to stumble on, uh, for good or bad, for all of you. And uh, it's certainly not right for everyone. So Dogen asked, then those who have become Buddha's ancestor, then those who have become Buddha ancestors' family members must still arouse the aspiration for enlightenment and visit true masters. But why would they throw away years of study in another school to join an assembly of Buddha ancestors like yours here? But why would they throw away years of study in another school to join an assembly of Buddha ancestors? like yours here, and practice day and night. Not sure what he's asking there. Let's see what Rujing says. In India and China, people often had to go beyond what they learned in the course of their advancement. It's this way when someone stops being a counselor and advances towards prime minister. I'm going to skip this story just a little bit. But he says, basically, when you get a promotion or you advance, you still remember who you were before, but now you try something new. I want to say that all of you always keep moving forward even though we say in this way there's nowhere to go, this is a uh, lifetime pursuit. Never stop. Never be complacent. There's always um, another door, another um, way to work, walk. So he says, uh, the mind of true dedication is not one, not two. All right? There's no place to go, but keep moving forward. So Dogen asked further, none of the statements of elders in different places has been able to illuminate the way of Buddha ancestors for me, but now I clearly see it. Buddha ancestors are indeed heirs of the world-honored one, the Dharma king of the eon. Buddha ancestors provide over everything in the billion worlds, over all conditions in the Dharma realm. There cannot be two kingdoms. In traditional Zen, um, lineage and uh, respect for the ancestors was much more, I, I want to say very directly, much more important than it is now for most Westerners. It's a Chinese Confucian thing, perhaps. But Buddhas and ancestors, a lot of the time when the abbot was in the monastery, by the way, the abbot was worshipped as a living Buddha, as a symbol of this lineage. Um, uh, the Tibetans, you know, practice a kind of guru uh, Buddhism, like many Indian gurus, where they pour themselves into the guru. 
And by pouring yourself into someone, it's also very dangerous if you get a bad guru, as we've learned many times with some abuses of this. But if you pour yourself into the guru, you also give yourself. Uh, it's like pouring yourself into a relationship with somebody. So uh, that was more important at various times in Zen than it is now. If anybody wants to pour themselves into me, I'm going to say, please, my... Uh, uh, hold your own okay all right I, I'm not the guru type if, if you haven't figured that out yet but uh, in these times even Dogen a lot of his writing man he was so honored and respectful he always said the Buddhas and ancestors and the ancestors he cherished the ancestors it's like someone who cher cherishes their own parents that much okay so recent Rujing said, what you said is right. As far back as India, there have never been two legacies of the Dharma storehouse. In China, from the first ancestor to the sixth ancestor, there was no dual transmission of the road, robe. The, giving the robe was the signal of Dharma transmission, the generations passing in Zen. Therefore, the single root of the Buddha Dharma of the billion world, worlds is the way of Buddha ancestors. Nothing wrong with respecting your ancestors, right? Next. Rujing said, studying Zen is dropping off body and mind. Without depending on the burning of incense, bowing, chanting, Buddha's names, repentance, or sutra reading, devote yourself to just sitting. Now, this is a statement um, by Rujing that Dogen sometimes quotes and is often misunderstood. Uh, sitting Zen, Zen, is the only practice he seems to be saying, and you don't need to do anything else. You don't need to light incense, which I just did here. You don't need to bow, which we did today. You don't need to chant Buddha's names. We did that today. You don't need to do repentance. We do that at the end, the verse of atonement. You don't need to read sutras. I guess I'm doing that right now. So uh, what does he mean? Just devote yourself to just sitting. Uh, there have been studies about Dogen's monastery, Aheji. He did all these things too. Ru Jing did all these things, too. So what could they possibly mean? The only interpretation to me is all you need is Zazen. When you sit Zazen, there's no before, there's no after. There's only that one place to be and that one thing to do. Then when you get up, you make a sandwich. You pet the cat. You bow, you light incense even go into the doctor, whatever you do, it's the whole universe. But when there's sitting Zazen, there's only sitting Zazen. Okay? And when you realize there's no other place to go and your body does not need anything else and your mind does not need anything else, that's dropping off body and mind. You see, that's why our sitting when we sit there in the completeness and wholeness is dropping off body and mind. So Dogen said, Dogen said, what is dropping off body and mind? Rujing said, dropping off body and mind is Zazen. When you just sit, you are free from the five sense desires and the five hindrances. Uh, let me give you the list of the, uh, Five sense desires. 
You are free of form, sound, smell, taste, and the tangible. Now, of course, we're not in sleep. We're not unconscious, unconscious when we're sitting, but we transcend that. They don't have, they don't grip us. We've gone beyond them. What we see, what we taste, what we know, sitting in the completeness and wholeness of Zazen, we are no longer the prisoner of the five sense desires. We don't desire forms. We don't desire sounds. We don't desire good smells or to get away from bad smells or tastes because the Zazen is complete. You see, you didn't say get away from the five senses. You said get away from the five sense desires because when you sit in Zazen, in the complete satisfaction of all there is, you're free. And the five hindrances, again, these are things that conceal the clarity of mind, desire, ill will, laziness, restlessness, and doubt. All in Zazen wash away. Because the self, the little self, wants to doubt. The little self wants to get angry at someone and feel ill will. The little self wants something. The little self is the one that feels restless or lazy. So Zazen is dropping body and mind. That's my little theory, and I'm going to stick to it. Okay, where were we? Then Dogen asked, is this freedom from the five sense desires and the five hindrances the same as what the sutra schools are talking about? Does it mean we are to be practitioners of both the Mahayana and Hinayana, the lesser vehicle or South Asian Buddhism? Rujing said, descendants of ancestors should not exclude the teachings of either vehicle. If students ignore the Tathagata's sacred teachings, how can they become the descendants of Buddha ancestors? In other words, even if it's something written by schools that are not our own in practice, in Buddhism, there's still a tremendous amount of value there. Don't turn away. You know, there's a big thing to say that we're practicing Zen. That's the pinnacle. You don't need sutras. You don't need any even other Mahayana teachings. You don't need the Indian, original Indian teachings. You know, we just need to sit. You don't need to burn incense. You don't need any of that. Well, in the same practices we just saw, you need to burn incense. You need to bow. You can learn from other ways and other things. That's fine. So, okay. Um, I asked, recent critics say the three poisons, greed, anger, and ignorance, or excess desire, anger, and, and divided thinking, as I usually say, are themselves Buddha Dharma, and the five senses are nothing but the ancestral way. They say that trying to become free of them is dualistic discrimination, no different from the Hinayana way. What do you think about this? Rujing said, if you try to free our, if we try, if we don't try to free ourselves from the three poisons, the five sense desires, it would be practicing like people outside the way in the land of King Bibisara. And then he tells a little story here. It's a very Shakespearean story about a son who conspired to get his father off the throne as the king. It's a very ugly story, like uh, King Lear or something like that. Macbeth, perhaps. If Buddha ancestors' descendants become free from even one moment of hindrance or desire, it will be a great benefit. To do this is to encounter Buddha ancestors. So there are some people even today, you know, who say, hey, man, Zen is do whatever you want to do, you know. You feel angry, feel angry, you know. 
you, you're greedy. You want to buy, you know, Zen, if you get a Mercedes, put a little Buddha statue on it. And, you know, it's about all our worst instincts, right? Be lazy. Don't have to practice. You don't even. Okay. These people still exist. They're all over Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. People on Facebook are actually pretty dedicated Zen practitioners, a lot of them. And he's saying, no, don't think of it as just the old South Asian way. You still have to get past the greed, the excess desire, the anger, the ignorance to really get the fruits of this way. You have to get past attachment, to the five sense desires. Okay. Again, that's excess desires. You know, seeing something and wanting it is one thing. Craving it excessively is a path to suffering in the Buddhist way. Okay. Okay. Then uh, Dogen, let's see. Okay. Uh, Ruj, uh, Dogen said, they asked, Prince Changsha and Secretary Haoyue, no idea who these guys are, discuss the original emptiness of karma. It would seem that if karma is empty, the other two negative facts, those resulting from external conditions and those resulting from delusion, will also be empty. It seems wrong to discuss the emptiness of karma without discussing the other two. However, when Hao Yu asked, what is the original emptiness? Changsha said, karma. And when Hao Yu said, what is karma? Changsha said, original emptiness. Is what Changsha said here correct or not? If the Buddha Dharma is as Changsha stated, how could Buddhas emerge in the world and Bodhisattvas come from India? Rujing, what Changsha said is not at all correct. He did not clarify that the karma in the three times from now. Um, karma. One guy says it's completely empty. It's all meaningless. It's all a dream. You know, you do bad things, do good things, doesn't matter. Um, Dogen said, no, it matters. Don't do bad things. Do good things. You'll pay some of the price. People around you will say pay some of the price. This world pays some price for it. And being a traditionalist, Rujing said, you'll even pay for your karma three times from now. This life, next life, any lives to come. Okay. Yeah. Crossed my mind a couple of times this week that I hope my karma is good. But nothing I can do. You just got to ride it, man. Just got to ride it. I want to tell you something. I'm going to digress just for a minute. Your, your teacher here is a chicken. But I never hid that from you. I get scared sometimes this week. I get sad sometimes this week, especially when my head, it's not about me so much. It's uh, the family. You know, when you think about the family, the Buddha had something about you got to leave your family around. It does make it easier. But when you got a family and you think about these things, I never promised you I wasn't a chicken. I always said is the Zen practice has made me much less of a chicken than I ever used to be. I think that's what I talked about last week in the Halloween thing. You know, I'm doing okay. This practice really works, man. It lets you see through all this. Let you ride it and go and see. I'm telling you right where I'm sitting right now. But I'm not going to say every moment like I'm in uh, feeling, uh, you know, 
It's all groovy. Uh, I'm a Buddha chicken. Okay. Better than the little chicken I was before, right? I'm the Buddha chicken. Maybe we should replace the, the what, what, what is it, the uh, hokey pokey with the chicken dance today. Anyway, um, I'm doing okay. Thanks, guys. And a lot, a lot of it because you're here, um, your family. Okay, so anyway, karma is not empty. Don't do bad things. We'll go to the next one. Teachers in the past and present all say we should study in complete meaning and not the sutras that contain. I'm going to just read this through. This is actually the, the big section I wanted to talk about today. and It's quite long. Sutras that contain complete meaning include descriptions of the events of the past lives of the Tathagatas. Only events in this world have a limited perspective not a universal perspective and sutras that discuss temporal things but do not discuss timeless things are not sutras of complete meaning the sutras that discuss the rise and fall of eons and the rise and fall of nature from limited and universal perspectives as well as sutras that deal with timeless realms realms the world of relatives businesses and workers without leaving anything out are called complete Meaning. Let me let me get through this, and then we'll talk about. It. I asked, "Isn't it also true that just half a phrase can explain the essential meaning?" All this kind of brief sutra, a sutra, maybe like a koan or something, a sutra of half a phrase. How can we say that only sutras that extensively expound the essential meaning should be complete meaning? Furthermore, there are some sutras that teach eloquently and exclusively but fail to clarify the essential meaning. I'm going to actually skip through this a little bit. I just want to get... All right, here's, here, here's what he's saying. There is no way any of the sutras are incomplete. Furthermore, sacred silence and sacred expounding are both Buddha activities. The light of consciousness is the Buddha activity. Having a meal is the Buddha activity. Being born in heaven, coming down from heaven, becoming a monk, practicing asceticism, encountering demons, atta attaining the way, practicing begging, entering nirvana are all Buddha activities. Sentient beings who see and hear this will attain benefit. Therefore, you should be clear that all of these things are sutras with complete meaning. This is very important. I said, I respectfully accept your instruction as the Buddha Dharma and the ancestral path. Now I see, ba 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 ba. People who disagree with you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Up to now, my understanding of complete meaning was incomplete. Today, for the first time, I understand clearly that your guidance, the sutras of complete meaning, go beyond complete meaning. Okay, look, I'm dealing with this. I was kind of translating some of other Dogen's other writings these past couple of weeks. Um, some of my uh, priests have seen this very rough draft that I have not even gone back once to check. And um, Dogen makes a very good point. We don't realize it, but the whole universe, or Buddha, pours into everything. He's saying, yeah, some sutras are better than others. Some meals are better than others. Some people in your life are better than others. Some Zen teachers are better than others. 
Some um, days are better than others. The whole universe pours in and out of everything. I, I really hope in your life you get a sense for this. It's not all, always the things you desire. That's for sure. But the whole universe pours in and out of it all. And we are just that pouring. I told you I was a chicken. We are just the universe pouring out and pouring in. And every gesture, every step of kin in, every moment of zazen is the universe pouring out and pouring in. Don't you ever forget that. We think there are small things we think there are things that bother us. We wish we had something else in life or somebody else. Dogen had his likes and dislikes. There's nothing wrong with saying I'd rather live in this house than that neighborhood or I'd rather be married to this person than that person. Don't be a prisoner of the five desires, he said. There's a difference between being discriminating a little bit in life and being a prisoner of desire. That's one of the things you learn as a monk. Your needs are very minimum. Okay. Hard for us in the middle class world to remember that. But don't forget that all of it is the universe pouring out and pouring in. That was Dogen's point. The whole universe is a great pouring. I am not sure who's doing the pouring or why the pouring is being done. This week, a couple of times, I admit, um, I said, if there's someone up there doing the pouring, I hope you pour a little in my direction. I don't mind to say that. But sometimes you have to just let it flow, you know. Everything you do, according to Dogen, and according to, uh, what's the guy from the police? Every step you make, every breath you take. That's a song I really don't like, by the way. I've heard it on the AM radio too many, too many times. But even that is the universe pouring. Okay. When you translate Dogen, a lot of his sutras, man, he would take someone who would make a statement and he would completely twist the statement around. And what he was trying to do is show that every word in the statement is actually complete and the pouring. Let me give you an example. So give me a sentence. 
with an exclamation. Getting is getting is your getting is the universe getting. Cold. May it be as cold as it gets cold. It, it, it is getting cold. You get it? That's what Dogen would do. He'd say, you think, oh, it's getting cold. No, it is getting cold. And it's wonderful. With an exclamation. Hi, Shoka. Well, now Shoka just showed up. I got to repeat everything. <laughs> Actually, it's a good time to uh, stop here. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.